Thank God Damar Hamlin wakes up after suffering a cardiac arrest on national TV. So now is it okay to ask what really happened? As a new scandal rocks the Vatican, Pope Francis continues his bizarre crackdown on faithful Catholics. The Bishop of La Crosse, Wisconsin, cancels the Latin Mass communities, and the Pope's personal secretary says that Pope Francis broke Pope Benedict's heart. What is going on inside the Catholic Church today? Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I am Michael Matt, and this is The Remnant Underground. We are still in the Christmas season, Walter. Yeah, we are. Tree's still up. Christmas tree is looking good. Yep. Yeah. Can't take that down for, what, a couple of weeks still, I think. We want to be seasonal. Yeah. Uh, don't forget, by the way, before we get started, to like this video and to subscribe. I think if we're on, we're still on YouTube, at least for the moment, so subscribe. Uh, make those guys upset. Don't forget, we got a link below for my great-grandfather's book. You want to subscribe to the newspaper, maybe you can order the book still. We got all this stuff available at remnantnewspaper.com. So to the news, uh, this young football player, Damar Hamlin, he just woke up. Did you guys hear this? He woke up, which is really great news, everybody. Everybody was hoping and praying for that. Thanks be to God, he is now awake. I think he's still obviously in serious condition, but I think he's going to be—he's going to pull through. Man, I mean, do they ever have some top-notch medical people and first responders? That was pretty, yeah, it's pretty amazing to see. Uh, and so the question I have for tonight's show is: It okay now if we ask a few questions? I—I I, I just couldn't believe how. Even people on our side of the aisle uh, just immediately were, were admonishing one another not to politicize this accident that happened with the NFL, with this young player who went down with a cardiac arrest. Um, we heard the usual, you know, scripted, respect the family's privacy, don't be a jerk, you know, don't politicize this. And I thought to myself, man, that's pretty open-minded, you know, I mean, that's... Um, to, to let the TV, the folks on the TV, tell us exactly how we need to respond to something like that in the middle of what's happened over the past couple of years uh, kind of was, was, was surprising to me, you know, the number of people who obeyed. Glory to Ukraine kind of thing, you know, it was real strange. You see the extent to which the media now has so much power, so much control to tell us what to care about, what to think, what to believe, and all of that. Scary. But as I see it, and as I saw it right away, Every kid on that football field needs us to demand answers immediately when we see something like that going on. Like I say, now this kid is awake, thanks be to God. But what happened? What's going on? You know, and, and, and let's not forget, the NFL is a member of what's called the COVID-19 Community Corps, which is a Biden administration and an HHS program which transfers money to participating organizations in exchange for promoting COVID-19 vaccination among their members. But I was a little surprised. It was like, oh, let's be nice to the NFL. They're praying, and isn't it fantastic? And let's not talk about this on politics. No, no. People's lives are on the line. Who knows how many people's lives may be on the line. And as we see with this young guy, because he has his crack squad, he's in great physical condition, he's got this crack squad of first responders, they were able to save his life. Well, let's talk about this so that lots of people maybe can have their lives saved if, in fact, this is connected to the you-know-what. 
If it turns out to be the you-know-what, the jab, that caused two cardiac arrests and a 24-year-old athlete in front of millions of witnesses, friends, this could end the entire <laughs> evil experiment, if you will. This could deep six Agenda 2030. Because think about this. Who's going to follow the science in the future if the science is taking people like that down? Top-notch, top-ranked, world-class athletes taking them down. Who's going to follow the science? You saw those players on the field. They're crying their eyes out. They're praying. Why? Because almost every one of them, something like 95% of them that we know of, have taken that shot in the NFL. And they're all looking at this guy and the way he went down. They're thinking, that could be me next, right? So the, for the sake of those guys, too, for everybody, we need to have this conversation. Because who's going, again, who's going to listen to Bill Gates ever again if we don't seize this opportunity right now? Look what might be happening here. And I'm not saying it is. Because we all got real sick and tired of everybody who got sick or died in 2020. The media blamed what? They blamed COVID for it because they were trying to freak us out over COVID. We don't want to do the same thing over the vaccines. We just want to have a conversation. And lots of people want to have and need to have this conversation. Because again, if this gets out, if this is happening, we need to know about it. Who's going to obey Francis, the patron saint of Pfizer, if, this is, if it turns out that this kid, that what happened to him was a result of the Pfizer shot, for example. You know, it, it's, it's interesting that in March of 2022, the National Football League, and maybe you haven't heard about this, I hadn't heard about this, the National Football League dropped all of its COVID protocols, including its vaccine mandate. Did you hear about that? Kind of interesting, huh? Is there going to be an apology to guys like Aaron Rodgers anytime soon, do you think? People that took a stand, put their whole career on the line to try to protect their own health and the health of their teammates and other people who are getting forced to do this? So the NFL quietly drops it all. I suppose maybe they were worried about what these lawyered-up millionaire athletes were going to do once they found out what's really going on here. We need a little goodwill in the NFL now. In other news now, and we, we always appreciate, and I've said it many times in the past, appreciate we have a large contingency of Protestant folks, folks who are not Catholic in this audience. And it's no secret to those people, they all realize, you all realize, that there is a massive problem of sex scandal going on in the Catholic Church, been going on for decades. Now, it's not fair to say it all, it's only the Catholic Church. This, this crosses all, through all religions, all denominations. But I think because the Catholic Church has always had the bar so high, the media really enjoy showcasing every single scandal that happens in the Catholic Church. Still, we're not going to deny this has been going on. It's been going on for a long time. Sex abuse of children. The priesthood now has become, it's mocked now as a gay profession. In the middle of so many scandals and global cover-ups and problems in the media, Bishop William Callahan of the Diocese of La Crosse, Wisconsin, has taken a stand. He sent private letters to his priests ordering that an announcement be read from the pulpit, no, no less, on the fourth Sunday of Advent. And what did that letter tackle? What big issue did it tackle? What group is it going to do something about? An abusive, scandalous group? Drum roll, please. He's going to take down the traditional Latin Mass Catholics. Yes, His Excellency is going to cancel the traditional Latin Masses in his diocese. And it started at the first 
of the year, just a couple of days ago. First of the year, no more Latin Mass. To which I <laughs> scratch my head, and I'm sure those of you who are not Catholic do the same. Really? Really? Cracking down on Latin Mass, folks? Those, those large families that show up in the big, giant, long, extended vans, all those little kids, they're the problem? In the middle of, <laughs> I think I read just recently, I think it was Madison, Wisconsin, 70 out of 103 churches closed, or are to close over the next couple of years, because nobody's going to church. And then right next door in La Crosse, they're shutting down the parishes that are packed to the gunnels with young families, with future, with vocations, with kids. They're shutting them all down. The photos that you see up on the screen right now, these are of the Mass at St. James the Less on Christmas Day, just this past Christmas Day, a week or so ago. The final Mass in that church now will be, was January 1st, 2023. Happy New Year. No more Mass. And that Mass was attended by 275 parishioners, as usual, mostly young families. So as a practicing Catholic, we're all going, what, what, what's going on here? Of course, people outside the church are just scratching their head going, <laughs> never even seen anything like this in business and religion or anything else. Everything's falling apart. You got one thing that's working really, really well. And for absolutely no reason that makes any sense, they're shutting it all down. It, friends, it's just—it's really difficult to, to not come up with one of two possibilities. Either they're insane or they're demonic. People who are responsible for this. Well, why is this happening? Well, the answer, I'm not even going to blame the bishop. I'm going to get into a second. I'm going to talk about how, in my opinion, my humble opinion as a layman, this bishop should tell the Vatican to pound sand. But the real reason, the real culprit here is this guy, Francis. He thinks the Latin mass of history is divisive. <laughs> he thinks that the folks attending it are not adequately impressed with the Second Vatican Council. Now, we'll have Walter put some video reviews before. This is of our parish here in St. Paul, our diocesan parish, but they all look the same. This is what these culprits, these bad guys, this is what they look like. Now, they're not going after the predators so much. They're going after these people. These people need to be shut down, you see on your screen right now attending Latin masses, young families, lots and lots and lots of little kids. Now, the people you see on your screen right now, 99% of them, they're too young. They wouldn't know Vatican II from Vatican Stew. They're not talking about Vatican II. We've gone over this in the past. These are just people who have found an oasis in the middle of a crisis. A place where their, their souls are fed, where their children are not scandalized, where nobody's chasing the kids around the basement. You see? Just a home, a spiritual home, where healthy little communities are growing up. Don't you see, for the guys, for the gold guys in Rome, Vatican II was Woodstock, man. <laughs> it was their deal, man. It was groovy. They haven't gotten over it, just as they haven't gotten over themselves. Now, the church is in absolute chaos since Vatican II. Thousands and thousands of churches and schools and hospitals gone, closed forever. Priesthood is now a gay profession. 
They mock the church. They mock the bishops. It's all over. And in the middle of all of that, of that apocalyptic scenario in the church, you got world war in Eastern Europe budding now, coming again. You got the great apostasy raging. In the middle of all that, this aging modernist Jesuit pontiff, like some mad Caesar, is ordering his bishops to shut down the little people who are still going to Mass. (laughs) Now, I'm going to talk directly to the bishops tonight because we're fairly desperate trying to reach these men. Remember, it started with Francis canceling private masses in the Basilica of St. Peter in the Vatican. That's where it all started. Edward Penton, Rome correspondent for EWTN's National Catholic Register, joins us now. Ed, great to see you. Uh, So tell us, what exactly did the letter say about celebrating private masses in the Basilica? Well, this came uh, rather out of surprise, out of the blue, rather, because uh, what what this letter said is that there, there's individual celebrations uh, of, of the Mass are suppressed. So-, so it started with the Novus Ordo. Now he's finally gotten around to wiping out or trying to wipe out the traditional Latin Mass as well. Cancel it all. And on this particular cancellation, I'm sorry, Bishop Callahan, but this particular cancellation in La Crosse, Wisconsin, is a humdinger. <laughs> This the cross. This is the home of Monsignor Jeffrey Burreal, the former General Secretary of the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops, the guy who made headlines a year or so ago, headlines all over the world after he got caught using the gay hookup app grinder by the pillar, remember? And it's not something you like to look back on, but the whole world got to see that. That was fun. Now that fella, he comes from La Crosse, Wisconsin. His bishop is the guy I'm talking about who just shut down the Latin masses. Haven't the people in the cross and everywhere else gone through enough, Your Excellency? They just got through COVID. Their churches were shut. You shut their churches down, remember? They couldn't go to confession. They couldn't go to the blessed, receive the blessed sacrament. They couldn't go to mass. They couldn't go to school. They've been through hell, Your Excellency. Ha! How can you do this to them? How do you wake up in the morning and say, I think I'm going to do this to all these little people, these kids, these families have been through hell. And so many people have simply left your church, Your Excellency. You know the numbers better than I. And now you're going to shut these. You have, as of the first of this year. You've shut the booming parishes down? Isn't that embarrassing? Are you sleeping okay? No, no, I get it. I get it. The culprit here, obviously, is Francis, is the Vatican. But how can you comply with this? How can you obey? And think of the scandal in your own diocese of La Crosse. We all got to see it nationwide, worldwide. A powerful priest, a monsignor, Accused of using a gay app all over the world, practically, in gay bars everywhere. He's tracked in numerous cities for a couple of years, from 2018 to 2020, even while he was on assignment for the U.S. Bishops' Conference. And as soon as he got busted by this, this, this outfit called The Pillar, he resigned immediately. Kind of suggests he was guilty, doesn't it? That's the kind of thing we've all been living through. 
That's just another proud moment <laughs> to be a Catholic in this country. <laughs> Here he is. Here's the Monsignor standing right next to the Pope himself. But down there on the cross, they're hunting down the trad cats, the traditional Catholics. That's a big problem. Finally, somebody's taken them down. Father Greg came out to his congregation in this Milwaukee suburb about three years ago at age 51. I am a gay priest. Your Excellency, it's something of a miracle that anybody, that any of us bother going to Mass at all anymore given that kind of scandal. You know, especially when now the scandal is coming out of the Vatican itself, out of Rome, out of the Vatican, from Pope Francis, just keep on coming and show no signs of, of slowing down anytime soon. Here's an example of the latest. A well-known Jesuit priest close to the Holy Father has had his ministry restricted following an investigation. Officials from the Jesuit order said in a statement they have barred Father Marco Ivan Rupnik from hearing confessions or conducting spiritual direction. The news comes after an investigation into the 68-year-old. And we know that uh, Father Rupnik is a friend of Pope Francis. Um, what has been the reaction? Some journals in Italy are already asking how much Pope Francis knew about this case and if he intervened in some form. It's just, you know, you know, it's, you know you're in trouble when you do a video like this and you got to hope that maybe the folks out there that have little kids are telling little Johnny and Susie to, to, to go play, you know, when we're talking about what's happening in the Vatican. They don't want to listen to that story. Don't want to see, the kids don't want to see that. Kids shouldn't see these stories. That's, that's the level of scandal that we're all subjected to. Just barely hanging on to stay in this church because the scandal is so bad, is so out of control. McCarrick was the public face when the U.S. Council of Bishops issued its report about decades of abuse by priests. Here he is on NBC's Meet the Press. Do you believe there's a special place in hell for men who represent Christ on earth and abuse their flock? There is certainly a special terrible judgment on, on someone who would abuse the trust that a priest must have, that a priest does have. But McCarrick's own behavior became the focus last month when he was removed from the ministry. The Archdiocese of New York said an accusation that he had molested a 16-year-old altar boy nearly 50 years ago was credible. McCarrick denied it. Now there are more allegations. The New York Times reports that beginning in the 1980s, when McCarrick was a New Jersey bishop, he inappropriately touched young adult seminarians. The newspaper said church officials knew of the allegations as he rose in the hierarchy. And they're coming after us now, shutting our little oases down. Now, Francis, when it comes to this scandal, this latest scandal, Francis said that he's really upset about that. He didn't think that's right at all, what the good, what the good Jesuit did, right? We all heard him make a little statement about how indignant he was that this has happened or that his buddy got caught, I'm not sure which it was. I think I'm going to go with the latter, however, because on December 22nd, 2022, just before Christmas, one month after the scandal hit the press, <laughs> incredibly, Pope Francis proudly showcases one of this predator Jesuit's
paintings, hideous as they are, he splashes it all over the cover of a new Vatican book. Walter will put that up on the screen if you haven't seen it. You see the telltale one-eye bit? The three-eyed monsters that this, this creature is responsible for? Are you following this, friends? Do you understand what's happening here? It's really, really incredible. It's right in your face. It's the Vatican. It's Pope Francis saying, yeah, there was a scandal. But guess who doesn't give a damn? Because here's what the Pope's friend is accused of in the media all over the world. Here's just a, a, a snippet of what people are seeing about this guy. Now this, this, this incredible creep, this pervert, credibly accused of sexually abusing several women religious. And then <laughs> he was uh, excommunicated, summarily excommunicated for violating the confessional. And then wouldn't you know it, someone along the line, someone quietly lifted that excommunication. Gee, I wonder, I wonder who that might have been. I mean, who has the power to lift an excommunication like that? Maybe we'll figure it out. As soon as we do, we'll report it down here. Who lifted the excommunication of this dirt ball? But it just keeps coming. Whether it's sex or finance, the scandals just keep coming. Like they're trying to, again, sort of dismantle the church and just cultivate scandal after scandal. Now there's a brand new documentary out about the financial scandals going on in the Vatican. Probably the Pope could not have imagined what kind of scandals such an investigation could trigger. An acquisition of a large building in central London is the most serious financial scandal of the last 30 years in the Vatican. It's a sort of Vatican gate in which Francis has decided, at least apparently, he would answer to no one. It's a scandal. They've done things that don't look clean. Put the link uh, below for that if you want to wade through that mess. But what's clear is that Francis is like the Joe Biden of popes. It seems like his only job is to discredit the office while cracking down on all dissenters. All the, the mega-Catholics, if you will. <laughs> That's his job. Make sure those people disappear, go to prison, get incarcerated, <laughs> just shut the heck up, and then just create chaos and scandal everywhere else. That seems to be his job. And again, the scandals have been piling up for years. You remember where it all got started just before COVID landed, when they trotted idols into the Basilica of St. Peter? <laughs> And then, then there was COVID itself, where Francis, our man Francis, taking orders once again from the Bill Gates and the Davos and the Klaus Schwabs and the rest of his globalist buddies, he played the part of the front man 
in locking down the churches and giving the religious and spiritual gravitas to the lockdown of the world. There is blood on that man's hands because he was the one, the solitary figure again, as we talked about before, standing out there in the piazza, telling the whole world, this is real and it's God's will that we comply with globalism and shut down the churches for the good of humanity, using the whole weight, all the gravitas of the chair of St. Peter to promote a globalist takedown of the world. That's what Francis did. And before he was done, he was ordering us all to take Bill Gates' experimental vaccines for the air quote pandemic, right? We had to take the vaccines or we weren't Christians. We were violating Christian charity. Remember all that? There's blood on his hands. And if all that wasn't bad enough, one day Francis decides it's time to cancel the Latin Mass, which was liberated just a few years ago, famously liberated by his immediate predecessor, Pope Benedict XVI, who has now passed away. Von 1962 als Missale für die außerordentliche Form des römischen Ritus ist er nicht so weitergegangen, wie sich Papst Benedikt das gewünscht hatte. Das hat er als Emeritus noch erlebt, als das Motto Proprio Traditiones Custodes von Franziskus erschien. Hat ihn das enttäuscht? Das war schon ein Einschnitt. Ich glaube, dass Papst Benedikt also dieses Motto Proprio gelesen hat mit Schmerz im Herzen, weil er wollte ja gerade denen helfen, sozusagen den inneren Frieden zu finden, auch den liturgischen Frieden, um sie von Lefebvre wegzuziehen, die eben in der alten Messe einfach eine Heimat gefunden haben. Und ich meine, die alte Messe, wenn man überlegt, wie viele Jahrhunderte die alte Messe, also auch für viele Menschen einfach auch, die Quelle des geistlichen Lebens, Nahrung für viele Heiligen, kann man, nicht, kann man sich nicht vorstellen, dass das also etwas ist, das, das also nichts mehr taugt. Und auch nicht vergessen darf man, dass viele junge Leute, die also weit nach dem Vatikan und zwei geboren sind und das ganze Theater und das Konzil gar nicht mehr verstehen richtig, dass diese auch, kennend die Neue, aber dann auch die Alte Messe, darin eine, eine geistliche Heimat und einen geistlichen Schatz gefunden haben. This is an important thing. Lots of people didn't understand why we at the Remnant newspaper thought it was very important what, what Geinswein has just said there. Because you can say, well, why didn't Benedict speak out at the time? Well, I don't know. This is not what, that's not about why didn't Benedict do more. We all can ask that question. But this particular clip that I just showed you, it's not about that. I don't know. This is not an apologia pro Benedetto, if you will. And I don't really care what Monsignor Geinswein thinks about the Lefebvre connection and all of that. That's politics and be discussed later. What's vital is we look at this story, look what Geinswein just said, and we go to every bishop in the world, especially our own bishops, and we would say, Bishop, why do you feel obliged to obey now an abusive order from a clearly unhinged pontiff who, in, in, in making this order, in reversing his predecessor's uh, motu proprio, has broken the heart of Pope Benedict XVI, according to his own personal secretary. So the idea that Francis is a monster has just been confirmed. And for whatever reason, he's going after this beautiful gesture that Francis, who was, I mean, that Benedict, who is not a traditionalist, but as a fair-minded man, he grants the mass back to all these people that Francis is shutting down. Francis comes in, reverses the order 
like some kind of a maniacal dictator and breaks the old man's heart. Probably intimidated the old man one way or another to abdicate in the first place. Your excellencies, please, you know the situation so much better than we do. You can see that there's a massive problem here. A huge scandal here. An infiltration here. And your only, <coughs> your only solution is to obey? You really think you need to obey such an order? Such an evil order that broke the heart of old Benedict XVI? Really? I happen to remember, and I'm sure you do, how many of your own brother bishops simply ignored Samorum Pontificum? They didn't have any problem ignoring that at all. You remember? Well, now it's your turn. It's your turn to ignore the motu proprio of Pope Francis. Just ignore it. If you don't want history to put you in that Nuremberg courtroom, right? Just ignore it. What's your defense going to be? When all these little kids that are going to traditional Latin Mass, those families blow apart, they no longer have the spiritual oases, they begin getting into drugs and sex and everything else, and they end up losing the faith because you shut down their community. What's your defense going to be in front of the divine tribunal? I was just obeying orders. Haven't we heard that before? Haven't we been not mocking Nazis for 75 years for trying that? Now you are going to do it, excellencies. You obeyed orders. You obeyed an order to actually carry out a spiritual holocaust against thousands of young families and kids. You're going to shut these kids down. Why? You think this is what Jesus wants you to do? Are you going to do whatever you're going to do, Your Excellencies? But remember this, you're dealing with a maniac. And sooner or later, Francis is coming after you. As I say, it started by him canceling private Novus Ordo Masses in his own basilica. He's going to come after you eventually. And your choice down the line is going to be simple. Apostatize or finally disobey Francis as God wants you to do for the good of the faith. What's it going to be? You're just going to keep going along with this? When he legalizes gay marriage, he's already kind of, he's okayed gay unions. I think he's creating a new space uh, for LGBT people. Um, there is a 2003 document from the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith uh, against same-sex unions, and the Pope is obviously saying he uh, sees things a little differently. Uh, it is, it's, it's, it's momentous because he's saying it as Pope. He said it before as Archbishop of Buenos Aires. He's saying it on the record, uh, and he's being very clear. It's not simply he's tolerating it, he's supporting it. You're going to obey? You're just going to keep obeying this guy? Or are you going to finally admit that evil has infiltrated our church? It's happened before. It's not the end of the world. There have been evil popes in the past. Well, this is one of them. There have been anti-popes in the past. Maybe that's what Francis is, too. We don't know. But he's doing the bidding of evil people in the world. He is a globalist. He's following, he's taking his instructions from the United Nations, from the World Economic Forum, from Klaus Schwab. If you don't know what I'm talking about, Google it, look it up. It's a matter of the public record. He sends representatives every year to Davos, right? He thinks climate change is a bigger threat to humanity and to the future of the world than abortion or the abol abolition of the family. 
He praises Klaus Schwab, a guy whose chief advisor calls Jesus Christ fake news. I mean, all this story about Jesus rising from the dead and being the son of God, this is fake news. And Francis sends Peter Turkson to praise and give his blessing and congratulate Klaus Schwab, whose chief advisor says Jesus Christ and the resurrection is fake news. This is to Professor Klaus Schwab. As the World Economic Forum celebrates its 50th anniversary, I send greetings and prayerful good wishes to all taking part. And now Benedict. Pope Benedict has gone to the eternal reward. We still don't know what happened there. How did he, why, why did he resign? Why did he step down? Why did he abdicate? Was he blackmailed? Was he forced to do it? What happened there? Is Francis some geopolitical plant installed by the New World Order gang to get their agenda done? Guys like Steve Bannon apparently are beginning to think so. He's looking at this and he's going, wow, several cardinals believe the chair of Peter is now empty because Benedict has passed and Francis is an abomination. <laughs> really, Steve? I mean, which cardinals? I don't know where he's getting any of this, but... <laughs> It shows you where people are coming down right now on this Pope. They're looking at him, they're saying, he can't possibly be the Pope. And yet the American bishops are like, we will obey no matter what. I just don't care anymore, friends. I don't care anymore who might be scandalized if and when we speak out against what's happening under Francis. I just don't care. You know, he's speaking against Christ. He's speaking against tradition. The, the way he came into the office in the first place was extremely suspicious. He's a globalist operative. And now he's speaking against the mass of the, of the saints and all the popes, virgins, and martyrs in history. Trying to crush the Latin mass, the sacrifice of the altar. Working, moving against the faith of our fathers. And before God, we all have a duty and an obligation to resist, including any bishop who has kept the faith. He has a duty to resist. So your excellencies, we are your loyal sons. We are your sheep. We're not trying, we're not trying to admonish you. We're trying to enlighten you as to what's really going on here. You are either with Christ or you are with Francis. For God's sake, stand with Christ and resist this abominable Pope to his face.